we're going to look at breakthrough and specifically talking about fasting. Uh, this week, many of you uh, fasted in some capacity. You may have chosen a day. You may have chosen a food. You may have chosen all food. Uh, you may have chosen a specific type of media. Whatever it may be, you've been fasting this week. And my prayer every morning, um, probably before most of you were awake, I prayed for you. I prayed that this week God would use to help you understand that fasting uh, holds something within it that would release uh, something into your heart and your mind. Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit more about fasting and just to give us a better uh, understanding. Um, you know what I'm going to do? Actually, Dad, over on Pursuit Corner, there is a paper that says Fasting Guide. Can you grab that for me? Because I'm going to reference that at some point today. So we're going to talk about a few different areas of fasting because uh, like I, I talked about last week, fasting is not something I do only when we declare it as a church, but it's something that has become a part of my life. And uh, for you this morning, what I hope to do is help you understand that there, fasting isn't something that needs to be set, uh, but instead it's something that's circumstantial. Yeah, you can put the rest down. I only needed one. Thank you. Um, it's something that's circumstantial. And so um, I redid this fasting guide. Uh, this week. I rewrote it um, and redid it up specifically because after this message, uh, some of you might be challenged. Maybe you didn't fast this week, and after this message, you go, you know what, I, I need to do this. Um, so we're going to talk about all of those different things. God, would you be with me this morning? Would you grant me peace? Would you grant me wisdom? And God, would you grant me the anointing of your Spirit upon me as I bring your word? In my pray. Amen. So in the Bible, we find a couple of different reasons uh, for fasting. And the first passage we're going to go to is actually found in Ezra, in Ezra specifically in chapter 8. And what you have to understand is that at this point in time, uh, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, the Jews, uh, all the same people, uh, they are in, have been in captivity. They've been in exile away from Jerusalem because of the Persians. Uh, but they're being released to go back home. And there's a group of people uh, who are traveling with Ezra, who we know as a minor prophet, and Ezra is returning back to Jerusalem, uh, and this is what we get. This is what we come upon in regards to this story. He says, "There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children, with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road, because we had told the king." The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Then I set apart 12 of the leading priests, namely Sherep, Sher listen, I, I, don't, I don't do this well either. If you're like, I struggle with this, your pastor does too. Uh, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and 10 of their brothers. I like that way of writing it anyway. And I weighed out to them the offering of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisors, his officials, and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. I weighed them out to them, 650 talents of silver, 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold valued at 1,000 derricks, which by the way, we're talking loads and loads of money here like loads of money, like more than any of you have, and two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. 
I said, uh, by the way, I want to say all of you. I mean, all of us combined. It's more money than that, okay? You, as well as these articles, are consecrated to the Lord. The silver and gold are a freewill offering to the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Guard them carefully until you weigh them out in the chambers of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, before the leading priests and the Levites and the family heads of Israel. Then the priests and Levites received the silver, the gold, the sacred articles that had been weighed out to be taken to the house of our God in Jerusalem. On the twelfth day of the first month, we set out from the canal to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he protected us from enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived in Jerusalem where we rested three days. Um, before I dive into the explanation of this, has anybody ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Right? We have made this so famous that the Good Samaritan is not just something that Christians refer to, but we refer, like people all over the world understand the Good Samaritan, somebody unexpectedly helping somebody who they normally wouldn't, the Good Samaritan. What's interesting about this story is that Jesus is telling a story of a people that would understand that traveling along the road, it was very common for people to be robbed, thieved, beaten, left for dead. It was very common. And the people here who are traveling to Jerusalem, they're not traveling with weaponry. They're not traveling with trained uh, soldiers, but they are traveling with plenty of money that any thief or robber would look at and go, I'm taking these people out because they're my last score for the rest of my life. You understand what I'm talking about? And so uh, Ezra comes before the people and he says, listen, I didn't ask the king, the human king, to give me human authority, to give me human resources to help us on our way because I believe our God will protect us. But what we're going to do is we're going to get ourselves right before God. We're going to fast and we're going to pray for God's protection. And sure enough, what does he do? He does. He protects them all along the way against all odds. It was more common to be beat up than not in a situation like that. But he protected them. Fasting for protection in our life. Now, some of you, you, you I'm just going to be real. Some of you put your lives on the line often, right? I'm not talking about fasting every time before you go into work if you're one of those individuals. But I do think it's important that sometimes in our life we fast and say, God, I recognize that you are my protection above all things. So would you protect me? So maybe once a year you take some time out and you say, God, help me this year. Protect me this year. May your hand of favor be upon me as I go about my days. We fast for protection. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, we find this passage. Doug, can you do me a favor? Can you grab that blue jug and fill it with water for me? You don't need to fill it. I, I don't need to drink all that. I just need like half of it. Thanks. Uh, the cold. I would not want to drink hot water. That would be miserable. Um, for those of you who want to know the secret about your pastor, I hate hot drinks. Um, I drink them to bond with my wife, and that's about it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, we find this story on fasting. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Obviously, 
The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the devil left him and angels came and attended him. There's something, well, there's a lot of understanding here that I'm going to help you understand. So for the purpose of teaching, okay, I'm teaching you as a church. So this is not me trying to like, whoa, pastor, okay? Because like I said before, when we talk about fasting, uh, we don't want to put it out there to get an earthly reward. Instead, what we want to do is we want to have been rewarded by God, which we're actually going to talk about today. Um, I have not eaten any food in regards to like a fork, a knife, a hand. I've drank. That's all I've had all week. What has happened in my life over the course of this life? This is the longest I've ever done an all-liquid fast. What has happened is I've become more aware. I've become more prepared. And even in my weakness, right, there are moments where I for sure have been weak. Um, but I just come to Jesus and I say, God, I need you today. Listen, I, this Sunday morning has been the roughest Sunday morning of my life. Like bar none. And yeah, I stand before you and like the things I said before, I don't know, I didn't, no pastor prepares for this. No pastor prepares for these kinds of moments. But what Jesus does in this moment when he's fasting, he doesn't, I'm sure he, he knows because he's God, but he prepares. He prepares himself for temptation that's coming his way. The devil's coming to tempt him in ways that, listen, if the devil showed up at your door to tempt you, you'd probably give in. I'm just being real with you. <laughs> Unless you've prayed and fasted and been ready for it. Jesus also, this is the beginning of his ministry. Before he goes out, before he steps foot out into the public area of ministry, Jesus prays and fasts. There's this very important thing that I, I would encourage you that you should fast to prepare yourselves for new seasons in life. Every time before I stepped foot into or out of a church, like I said, out of or into a church, I spent some time fasting. Why? Because I wanted God to help me prepare for what I was going into. We fast for preparation. Now, this means Lots of different things. Um, I'm going to, again, just for teaching purposes, I have fasted to prepare for a meeting with somebody that I knew was going to go really bad. And I would fast a lunch. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to fast and pray at lunch today. Um, I'm, I'm just, I recognize I need God's hand in this and I, I need him to be with me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare myself and I'm going to fast and pray. So I just fast one meal. If I know I'm going into a season like this, this fast we just had, we're praying and fasting for the year, that we would align ourselves with God for this year. Well, that's going to be an extended period of time. Why? Because of the nature of the fast. Is this making sense for you? All right. I'm trying to make fasting a little more understandable and a little more purposeful in our lives. 
Then we get to another thing. I'm, I'm hitting you. I'm hitting you with them today. In Acts chapter 13, we come across this passage of Scripture beginning in verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, I'm going to call him, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. A lot of times, pastors get the question, how do I know it's the voice of God? Right? Anybody ever thought that in your mind? Uh, how do I know it's God speaking to me? How do, how do I become more aware of the voice of God? Uh, first things first, because I have to put this out there just for qualifier statement. The first thing you do is you go to the Word of God. You go to the Bible. <laughs> if your question can be answered by the Bible, that is your answer, right? If you're making decisions about lifestyle, if you're making decisions about a specific situation and the answer is in the Word of God, that is your answer. You don't have to wait for God to speak to you. He's already spoken it. You just have to choose to receive it, all right? That's step one. Now we have to understand that there are certain points in life where we have to make decisions, where we're at a fork in the road, and we go, I don't know what I'm going to do here. You know, I just talked about it a little bit. I never left a church without fasting because I never want to make a mistake in regards to that big of a decision in my life. And so we fast for guidance. We fast for the decisions that we're going to make. This, this does not have to be every little decision in your life. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, please, please don't think that I'm saying that. I'm talking about life-altering decisions. It's probably wise to fast. Fast for a day. Fast for two days. Again, fast a meal, whatever it is, but separate yourself for a time and ask God to speak. Again, for teaching purposes, you want to know how to determine that you are hearing the voice of God? Spend more time with God. When you fast and pray, you know, this week for me, I've spent more time in prayer. I, you know, the, obviously the food thing, I have not exercised all week because I would not be up here, like, if I did. Um, but what that means is I spent more time in prayer. I spent more time in prayer. I spent more time with Jesus. And so what that has done, though, is that has awakened me to be more aware of his voice in my life. Chloe, you can go to that next slide. So we fast for guidance in our life. You want to know, you want to make a decision about your job? Should you leave? Should you go? Should you accept? God help me. <laughs> I'm going to spend some time fasting and praying. We're going to keep going here. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. 
Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. We come into, how I say this? You know how earlier I talked about I fasted um, going into a meeting because I wanted to be prepared for what may come? I have also fasted going into meetings because I knew what I was going into. Um, there, there's this amazing thing about church people and their boldness in regards to how they can speak to pastors. Um, that doesn't happen here anymore because um, their pastor doesn't put up with crap. <laughs> my mom's like, Jonathan, my mom knows. My mom knows. She's tried to work it out of me, but I stand before you a free man. No, I, I, I've come into meetings and I knew, and I was, like, I was ready for it. So I, I would fast, not because I didn't know what I was walking into, but because I knew what I was walking into. And I said, and I, I, my fast and my prayer would be, be this. God, may I speak and stand before them with such power and authority that they know without a shadow of a doubt in their mind what is actually taking place in that moment. Now listen, that means you have to fast and pray to know you're not in the wrong. Okay? Because some of us are just too stubborn and we need to give in, which I have given in at times. People know this. You've had conversations where I come back and I apologize. But then there are moments where people refuse to give in and they refuse to surrender and somebody needs to step up. And in those moments, I knew it was me because it had to do with me. And I would say, God, may this person understand the ramifications of what they are saying. May they understand that this is not me but this is you through me. So we fast for power. Not our own power, but the Holy Spirit's power to work and intervene in a situation. Some of us, this may be like we fast and pray for healing. We fast and pray for God's deliverance of something, right? Just like we talked about. We feel like we've been praying, but there's just something more. Maybe it's time to fast and pray. And then in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talking, he says, talking about fasting, he says in verse 16 of chapter 6, when you fast, do not look as somber as the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's why, that's why I'm so strong about, like, don't tell people. Like, you obviously have to tell certain people. We talked about this, right? You have to tell the people who need to know. The people in your household are going to be like, why aren't you eating? Don't lie to them and be like, oh, I'm just, just being good. No, you're fasting. It's okay, right? If you have a health problem, talk with your doctor about how you can fast. Everybody can fast something, but there are some things that you cannot do as, because of your health. It's just the way it is. Um, like, 
again, this week I did all liquids. There are some of you in this church, you should never try that. But there's some of you in this church, you could do a Daniel fast where you eat fruits and vegetables and just look up Daniel fast and you can do that. But the main purpose of fasting, the main purpose of fasting, as Jesus talks about here, fasting draws us near to God. It draws us near to God. Listen, you want more power and authority? It's only going to come if you get closer to God. You want guidance from Jesus? It's only going to happen if you get closer to God. You want to be more prepared going into battle? You have to understand that it's going to happen when you are closer to God. Why? Because it is Jesus who we are crying out to and saying, help me in this situation. Help me understand. Help me know what to do. Help me speak clearly. Help me to be bold in this situation. See, fasting, what it does is it makes you physically weak so that you can be spiritually strong. That's what it does. It makes you more aware that you don't need the things of this world as much as you think you do, as much as you need Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit moving through you. You see, the problem, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, the problem in our world and in our church today is we've become so self-help focused that I can change and I can do this if I do all the right things. No, no, no. We need less of us and more of Jesus. If we're going to see God do all that he can do, Maybe it's time to sacrifice a little bit more. I'm going to give you some like, how much time I got? Yeah, so I also have to be honest here, right? So in every example today that I gave, what happened? God answered the fast, right? He moved. He responded. But there's this story in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Beginning in verse 13, it's not on the screen because I was just praying and this is what God brought to my mind. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. We hear that and we go, I do not understand. I wish I could explain it to you. I can't. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child, David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what has happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. Here it is. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return. 
to me. Sometimes fasting does not bring the result that we want. We've been fasting and praying all week, right? Some of us, most of us, I don't know. That's your own decision. I've been fasting and praying all week. I've been begging God for some things. And yet I stand before you and it's not what I'm seeing. And I go, God, I don't understand. Like I, I, I have fasted before and things have happened. I, I don't understand. And what I've learned is I'm comforted by his word to help me understand that though there are times I do not get what I desire, he knows what's best. I know sometimes I do not get what I want. That doesn't mean he's not on the throne. And that doesn't mean he could not move. There are many times in my life where I have fasted and God has responded and done exactly <laughs> what I had hoped for. And then there are times I fasted and prayed and he did something else. But what I have learned over my years serving Jesus, and I recognize I'm young, what I have learned is that when God goes against what I want, for some reason, he's always right. It's not fun in the moment. It's not what I wanted. But he's always been right. Doesn't make sense. It's not comforting in the moment. But the Spirit of God, who lives within me, has brought life to this mortal body. And so, even in my mourning and my disappointment, I trust because I know that He is still God. Have you become a little too self-focused in life? It might be time to fast. Have you become too worried in life? It might be time to fast. Have you begun to pursue the things of this world? It might be time to fast. When we spend time with Jesus and when we fast, amazing things happen in the supernatural realm. Power is given, direction received. We become prepared for what is to come. It protects us from the attacks of the enemy. And the way that this happens is that it brings us closer to Jesus because Jesus holds all power. No attack is able to stand against him. No plan is wiser than the one that he holds. And no teacher is greater than Jesus himself. It's time for Christians to begin to understand that fasting is not a yearly thing, but a circumstantial thing. It's time that we no longer wait for church focus points to say, hey, we're going to fast. But instead, when the right circumstance arises in our life, we say, I'm fasting breakfast. I'm fasting lunch. I'm fasting this week. I, I, whatever it is. This does not mean that we don't just eat, right? This does not mean we're skipping a meal and we're just going about our day. This means we're fasting and spending time with Jesus in prayer. It's not a diet. It's a fast. We spend more dedicated time with God as we sacrifice something in our life to help us draw nearer to him. 
Worship team, can you come this morning? You're like, Pastor, we just did a fast. What are you talking about? What I want you to understand, I'm not, some of you may have to continue fast. I don't, whatever. But as soon as I say amen at the end of service today, fasting is done for the week for us, okay? I'm, I'm eating. I'm done. <laughs> but I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to wait. There are going to come moments in your life where you go, I don't understand, God. Fast a meal and pray. When I first started fasting, it was that simple. It was like literally one meal. I would do like one day a week, I would just fast one meal and God would begin to move in my life. You got to start somewhere. But what ends up happening is when you start somewhere, you begin to understand the benefits of it. There's a lot of breakthroughs that are available to us but we need to pray and fast as such. You want more breakthroughs in your life. You want to see God move in your life. Don't wait. Fast. As I said, I, re I redid this fasting guide and there's obviously things all over the place you can look up. Church, there are some sermons I speak and I'm speaking <laughs> with you as in it's something I need to receive. Today is something I speak and I assure you that I have learned the benefits of this practice. Let us pray and let us worship. God, be with us as we worship this morning. God, may we come before you and may we worship you for who you are. God, recognizing that this week of alignment with you ends in our church-wide focus. But may we continue to align ourselves with you every day in prayer. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.